0: Chapter, chapter ten, Revelation ten. I'm gonna get going right into this chapter ten. There's only eleven verses here. Um, in preface to this, I mean, chapter ten. Really, we have a parenthesis here. This is you remember the parenthesis we had a few weeks back, where where, where I think it was between in chapter six, maybe chapter six, where there's a parenthesis there, but and. and and so we're, we're moving along and boom, there's a, here's, a, here's a, a, a look. We're going to take a look, step back, and the Lord's going to reveal something to us. It's not chronological. Well, what we've got right here is another one of these parentheses. We're going to get some information that doesn't necessarily fall in line right here chronologically. The Lord's going to give us some, some big information on different things. Um, so we're going we're gonna to look at this right here, chapter 10 through, I think it's four, chapter uh, 11, verse 14, is kind of this break. And then it'll pick right back up, and that's when we're going to see the seventh trumpet blow. So we got we 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 this parenthesis here between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. So we start here in chapter 10. And, uh, and, and this chapter introduces us to the middle of the tribulation period. And that's what we're going to be following now from chapters 10 through 14. We're right here in the middle of the tribulation, all right? The middle of that seven-year period. According to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, this is the time the beast breaks his covenant with Israel and reveals himself in his uh, satanic fury. That verse reads then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to uh, to sacrifice and offering and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate so there's there's this we, we see here we're right in that time that Daniel is speaking of in Daniel 9:27 and so the seventh trumpet uh, we will introduce the seven, the seven vials of the wrath of God and the last three and one-half years of the tribulation. The wrath of God will be underway. Now understand, this is all. This seven-year period, we're going to see the wrath of God. But all seven years of this in the tribulation, it's all God's judgment. This is all God's doing. We've seen that again and again and again where the things he says, this is the Lord's work. He's doing this. Now, when we think about that in the, in the middle and, and w- with what I just read, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna just, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, I, don't, I, don't, I hope. All right, so I've got 10 copies of this right here. And if anybody wants to get it and read it, uh, you can. All right, and if somebody says, I wanted a, I'd like to have a copy, I'll go back and print more at the end of the night. So come up if you want one of these. But this is an article that I read this, this afternoon. It's The Biblical Necessity of a Third Jewish Temple. And this is really, this was prompted, the guy that wrote this really well written, and, and it's very informative. But but what prompted that, and some of you may have seen this in the news, is the the heifers, the red heifers that have been shipped from Texas over to Israel. Anybody seen that in the news? Some of you watch that stuff pretty closely. Um, and, and someone had asked me, and Scott's not here, I was going to talk to Scott about it, because Scott, these are up here, so at the end of the night, if you want to get those. Uh, Scott had asked me, and I haven't had a chance to reply to him, but you know, he's asked me, have you watched this? What are your thoughts on that? Well, it makes perfect sense because we know, we know there's going to be a third temple. We know in Scripture it's going to be built. It's going to be built. In fact, Israel is preparing for it. And you would think that seems crazy because as you look at the situation politically and everything there right now, you would, you would think, I mean, in, in, from our perspective Just being realistic, you look at that and go, there's no way. I mean, you got here again, you got the whole Muslim world surrounds little old Israel and the Muslims control the Dome of the Rock. They control that piece of of land where the temple will be. So how in the world is that going to happen? That's where the beast comes in, the peace, the peace that's promised, this this. This, this, this peace treaty, and you know we've, we read before we got into Revelation about Israel at a time where there's, they put down their arms, and Russia comes in and invades them, and their defenses are down. They're not even defending themselves. We go, how in the world? How did they get to that place? It's gonna happen, and we can see the running up to that because, again, when we read this, we're not reading some futuristic made-up. This isn't Isaac Asimov writings this isn't space trilogy fantasy this is really going to happen and when we read prophecy we're reading future history so it's like man we're like we're looking in the history book but we're just reading history that hasn't happened yet okay so it's a it's an amazing thing that's going on right now and so israel is preparing for the third temple They're preparing for it. And what I read today, Israel, this this group that is preparing for this, they have everything they need, all the utensils, everything they need for that temple is they've already got it. Now, I can remember 20 years ago traveling to Israel, them talking about that and that they were building and collecting things to, to, to have that and to be ready. What I read now, 20 years later, says they're ready. There's one thing they do not have. Well, the red heifer is one, the part they'll have to get, and they can get that. But there's one article, one artifact or we'd call it an artifact, one thing they do not have, the Ark of the Covenant. What I read today says they have it. They know where it is. They just haven't revealed that. They're saying they have it. Now, most people would, you know, most uh, biblical archaeologists and stuff look at this. They go, nobody knows where it's at. It's just, it just vanished. It disappeared. They don't know where it is. Israel or this group that's preparing that says they know where it is and the time will come. And I'm going to tell you the day that that is revealed when that's revealed publicly that we have the Ark of the Covenant. That's going to blow some minds. Dun, 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 dun. You know, <laughs> if we know where it is, right, it's in a it's in a warehouse somewhere. The government stamped on You know, it's not Indiana Jones did not find the Ark. But but um. So all of that, but the red heifer is that having that perfect without blemish red heifer is a part of worship and it's part of the, the sanctifying and you can read all about that. So is it significant that they're shipping five red heifers? Now the red those heifers they shipped over, I read two things that contradicted. One said that the heifers were five or six months old, which means It'll be another year and a half because it has to be like a two-year-old heifer. It's just, I mean, right on a certain age. So it would be like a year and a half that one said, now, I don't know that. I don't know the ages of it. I haven't researched that much. The other one said that they're, they're planning something for the Passover 2023. So sometime next spring, they're planning something for them. Now, that doesn't mean that they couldn't institute sacrifice before there's the temple. They could They could start the sacrifice. They could start that. I was wondering, could they, just like, like the tabernacle, like, could they have that instead of the ark? Right to... I was wondering about you, The, the ark you're talking about? No, the, the, they they had the tabernacle. the tent. Yeah, the, yeah. The oh, could they do that versus, yeah, well, you know, that's a thought. That's a thought. I don't think that's Israel's thought. I don't think that's the their plan. In fact, they have a, they have a, they're, they're doing a, a, a train from Ben-Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv coming right into Jerusalem. And the intent is that the nations can quickly and easily, and supposedly they're, they're expanding the airport. You know, why would Israel expand the airport? They're, because they're expecting a mass of people coming in to visit this temple, to come into worship into this temple. Um, it's pretty amazing stuff. I was texting my buddy Aaron that we're going on a trip to Israel with, and 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 so I just asked him. I said I said, uh, how, "How about them red heifers?" <laughs> you know, and he, he he was yeah he's like crazy. So he's he's looking at some other things. But he, I was just telling him, you know, what an amazing time to be alive. You know, people go if you're if you're a believer and and you're scared right now, you're missing the point. It's not time to be scared. This is the time. I'm going to be with Jesus. Okay, so if a bomb drops and blows me away and I go be with Jesus tonight, I'm okay with that. I am settled. Now, if you don't know Jesus, it's not a time to be excited. It's a time to be fearful and to get that right. It's time to get that right. This is exciting. So, if you want to read that, they're here, and if they're gone, then let me know. I'll go back real quick and we can print some more for you. Okay. So, this is the time that we're talking about, right there in the middle. He's gonna he's gonna break that break that covenant, and Israel now has dropped their arms. They think everything's good. I, I it still blows my mind to think that they would they would they would buy into this and drop their guard and think that this is. But that's that's. This, that's what's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Now, how all that comes about, that's the interesting stuff to see how in the world do we get to there. We know where we are, and we know where we're going to be. And it just doesn't seem like there's a path to get there from here. You know, you've heard that. You can't get there from here. I don't know how we get there from here, but we know we're going to get there from here. Okay, And, and uh, it's going to be an amazing thing to see. All right, so we have this this, intro, this seventh trumpet. Then we'll introduce the seven vials of the wrath of God, and then uh, and the last three and a half years of the tribulation uh, are underway. So verse, let's look at this. So the first thing, if, you were, if you're doing an outline, you want to write this down. Number, point number one is the appearance of the angel. That's what we're going to see here in, ch- in verses 1 through 4, and that's what we're looking at in chapter 10 here is this, this great angel. So verse 1, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book uh, open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up. The things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. Now I'm just going to just I'm going to just tell you this up front. So this is, this is, I told y'all before we started this. Okay. So what I te- teach tonight, my view on this, you may go, I don't believe that. Okay. I don't, I'm not there, but I can tell you right now on this issue right here, there are people who I know their names, commentators and pastors that I know on both sides of this issue that I would, I would love them on both sides and go great man. Now I don't agree with you. Great man, but I do agree with you. You know, and uh, who was it? McGee. I was reading uh, McGee. J. Vernon. J. Vernon McGee. And he said, he said, you know, there are people on this side and they have what they believe. But if, you know, you can believe what they believe or if you want to be right, you can believe what I believe. That's what he said. <laughs> That's what he said. He was very humble about it. But so there's two sides of this and you can study through it and figure out for yourself. Uh, I think it is significant. And now, does it change anything in the terms of of what what happens or what goes on? No, but it is interesting as we look at this. So, and the the debate comes in, there's a disagreement about who this angel is. Okay, so I saw still another mighty angel. Now, some believers, uh, some believe that it it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And some believe that it's not. Some believe that it's, that it's another angel. And it says it's another great angel, and some believe that's exactly what it is. It's just another great angel. And, uh, but some believe it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are places where the Lord is referred to as the angel of the Lord, okay? There's a lot of scriptures that, that, that call the Lord that. So to go, well, the Jesus would never be called an angel. Or the, well, he is. He's called the angel of the Lord. And there are times, so here's, I'm just telling you up front, my belief is that this is, this is kind of where I've come down. And if someone can convince me otherwise, I'm okay with that too. But I've kind of come down on the side that I believe that this is the Lord right here. Um, John had seen a strong angel back in chapter 5 verse 2. Now he sees another mighty angel. And the symbols used here take us back to the script, description of the glorified Christ that we find in chapter 1 verses 12 through 16. Y'all remember that, right? So let, let's, I'm going to flip back to chapter 1 and we'll look at verses 12 through 16. "'Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, "'and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, "'and in the midst of the seven lampstands, "'one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, "'down to the feet, and girded about the chest "'with a golden band. "'His, his head and hair were like, like uh, white like wool, "'as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. "'His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, "'and his voice as the sound of many waters.' He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Back here to chapter 10, verse 1, middle way through the verse, a rainbow was on his head. Now we saw around the throne there was a rainbow above the Lord there in the throne room in chapter four, when we were in chapter 4 and 5. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand. Well, we just saw the Lord had the scroll. Now, I don't know if this is the same. Some think it may be the same. Others think it's not. I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But he, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars, okay? So here's the, here's the imagery of what we see. Now the voice, like the lion, could refer to Revelation 5, 5, which is, but one of the elders said to me, do not weep, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. We understand that, right? So there's a reference here that, is, that his roar, his voice, it was a loud voice, like when a lion roars. Uh, you can, Hosea eleven ten 10 says, they shall walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion When he roars, then his sons shall come trembling from the west. Joel 3.16, the Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake but the Lord will be a, a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Now, this voice that, that comes from, from, I believe, the Lord here, it's not a, this isn't a voice of a gracious invitation. This is the voice announcing judgment to come. Okay, That's, that's what's going on here. And, and perhaps, if you're going to debate whether this is, this is the Lord or if this is just an angel, I think the best evidence comes, if you flip, look over in chapter 11, and look at what he says there in verse 3. The angel there, uh, I believe that the angel is Christ. And here he says, I will give power to my two witnesses. Okay, I will give power to my two witnesses. Now, I don't know that an angel would be calling the two witnesses his witness. So this is, that's, that's probably the single greatest piece of evidence there. I mean, I read one commentary in the whole, how many pages I read on that. It was all about him defending. He had to do what I call biblical um, gymnastics. Y'all seen that where you have to do biblical gymnastics to make something work? But he was work. He had to work ultra hard to make to defend his view that that was an angel and not the Lord. And when I mean, you got to explain away these verses, confuscation is the word. I think is the word. Confuscation. I think that's the right word. Um, and it's basically when, you, when you, take, uh, you you do harm to very clear, simple verses with very intricate, complex verses that are hard to understand, and you try to explain the simple, very clear verses away with the more complicated. It's confusion is what it is. And again, the, the scriptures don't conflict. I, I wouldn't die on a sword that this is the Lord, but it's, uh, from what I read, I believe that it is. So here we have Christ, the angel of the Lord, coming to announce that God is about to work speedily and finish his purpose on earth. Verse 2, he had a little book open in his hand. Again, there's, a, there's some, uh, not I, I wouldn't say conflict, but there's a, there's a contrast in these. Okay, So the, the book we see uh, in verse 2, it, it, it's a small book, it's a little book. Where, what we have in chapter 5, verse 1, we see the scroll as he takes the large scroll. This scroll uh, is open, the one in 5, 1 is sealed. Now, you can argue some of that's been opened. uh, So, there's a contrast there, though. We see that there may may be some difference. We see in verses 9 through 11 that this book is a book of prophecy. Verse 7 makes it clear that the contents of the book were declared by the prophets. And since the Old Testament prophets did not speak of church truths these prophecies must relate to Israel and to the Jews and to Jerusalem. So that's the time that we're going into and, and the theme that theme of the Jews and the and Israel and, and Jerusalem that's the theme from the, the middle of, of, of here the middle of the tribulation on. it's all about the Jews and the Lord and the mystery that he talks about it, it, it's, it's that and we're going to see that from chapter 11 on. So perhaps this little book is the sealed message in Daniel chapter 12. Some believe that that could be the case. Verses 4 through 9 in Daniel 12 uh, says this. Says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Okay? So it's, it's whatever he told Daniel there, it's sealed up. So uh, many, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And we talk about this in the end times. Folks, knowledge... Not wisdom, but knowledge is exponentially increasing. When, when you think of, I can remember as a kid, people talking about how much had changed, how much had changed in someone's lifetime. Folks, there's, no, there's never been a time period changed more than our lifetime. When you, when you think about phones, there's more technology in my hand right now than there, than there was that, that went to the moon in everything that took them to the moon. There's more technology right here. I get email, I got weather, I got GPS, I got text messaging, I mean phone calls, I can do pictures, I can text pictures. I remember going to, going to Disney World 25 years ago and riding or 20 years ago and riding the Epcot ball and you go up that thing and it was, it was kind of showing you future things and they're sitting there watching this TV and they're having a phone conversation on TV and I went, yeah, right. It's the same thing I said when they started selling bottled water. I said, that'll never happen. That'll never work. <laughs> so don't listen to me for investment advice, okay? But we got all this, 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 that. And in the technology, we're talking about cornea replacement surgery. The technology, the knowledge is just off the charts how much things are changing. I wonder what the half-life is on on things now. It it, it used to be, you know, it could be months or a few years for something. I don't know. It may be even more now with how quick that those things change on settled science and all that kind of stuff. Knowledge will increase. Wisdom, not so much. Okay. Uh, Verse 5 then in Daniel chapter 12, verse 5 says, Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this riverbank and the other on that riverbank. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people uh, has been completely shattered, all these things will be finished. although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the end of time. Uh, so that could be the book. that could be what is being what being taken here it 's these prophecies. Verse 2, then he goes on, he says, and he's speaking here again of the Lord. He says, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. So the Lord here, he claims all of the earth and seas by standing on the land and on the sea. There's a, if we go to Psalm Psalm chapter 8, verse 6. 7 and 8 says this, and this is speaking of man, but it gives us the idea of when, when you're talking about putting your foot on something, you, you're, you're in control. You're, it's, it's an expression of authority. You've claimed it. You have authority on that. Psalm 8, 6 says, You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, your capital, speaking of the Lord's, uh, You have put all things under his feet. Speaking of man here, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. Now, God gave man authority over that. Christ is taking that back. He's coming and establishing his authority. He's putting his foot on the land and on the sea. Everything is his, everything is his. He's claiming authority here. Uh, verse 3, and, and cried with a loud voice. Now we hear the voice. And cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. So it, it's interesting. So it's not just a, a noise of nature, okay? It's not just that he, he speaks and the voice is like, he speaks. When he speaks, he's not roaring, okay? It's, it's not what's going on here. He is speaking. He is saying something, and when he does that, it's it's so loud, it's it's like the roar of a lion, and it uh, you know they speak they talk about a, a, the lion of a roar of a lion how it, it would just fill you with fear, it would paralyze that that roar is proven to, it paralyzes the prey. Can you? Uh, I mean, you've seen you've probably seen movies where. They're out in the jungles or whatever, and a lion roars, and it's just petrifying. I can't imagine to know that thing's out there, that, and you hear it, and it's just petrifying. So this voice, it's like that of a roar, but he speaks. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. So it was a return. Uh, if you got the answers to what is what this is, you're, you, I'd love to hear it, though you're going to understand in a minute why it doesn't matter because uh, verse 4 then says, Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write. Hmm, sounds, like, you know, sounds like Daniel over there. But I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. So we don't know what he said, nor what the thunders uttered. We don't know what the Lord said here, or this great angel. We don't know what he said, and we don't know what the the seven thunders that came back, those words that were, we don't know what that was. And the fact is, it's useless to speculate. John is told to seal up. That means not reveal the words of the thunders. And it's the only revelation in this book that is sealed. It's the only thing. Everything else, it seems, is being opened up to us, and we're seeing. This is sealed, and we don't know what it is. So this vision of Christ makes it clear that he is in control and that he will fulfill God's purpose and claim his inheritance. Now, God has given sufficient truth in his word for salvation and godly living, so we mustn't crave to know the hidden things. Hey, folks, there are folks, uh, you've you probably, sorry, sorry. Um, you've probably known people who, who get caught up in the, the, the secrets. And the mysteries and, and, and like, and the, the, all of a sudden they've got a special revelation and they're seeing something that for 2000 years, no one has seen folks that always gives me great, great caution when I hear that. And, and when the Lord says, here's another one. So when's the Lord coming back? What's the date when he's coming back? Y'all don't know. Why not? Why didn't you figure this out? Well, he's told us, right? He's told us. And, and, and uh, you know, we, we, that's not what we're to be concerned with. Deuteronomy 29.29 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. One commentator said, The purpose of Scripture is to save sinners and sanctify character. Not satisfy curiosity. We can get so caught up. We can get so caught up in our. You know, that, I don't think it's. I don't think it's wrong that man. I. You know, you want to do a little research on something? Figure. I'd love. I'd love to figure out where the Ark of the Covenant is. I, I mean, let give me an Indiana Jones hat. Give me a ticket around the world. I'd. I'd go, man. I'd love that stuff. That would. That would be fascinating. Uh, that would be awesome. But to get caught up in the mysteries. And and here the Lord says, don't don't reveal that. So we don't know. And folks who want to dig in, we're we're, we're spinning wheels on stuff God tells us not to spin our wheels on. And he's told us we've got other things to do. So the things that we do know, those are words for us. They're words for our our children. And and that we may do all that the words of this law, that do all of this work. So whatever God's revealed to us, that's for us. And what he's revealed to us, it'd be just great, wouldn't it? If we could just adhere to what he said do and not do what he said not do. Amen. I'm thinking about Sunday morning already as I'm studying. And, and uh, I, I, I go back again to we so often get caught up in we get mad at the lost world. We're a lot like we're a lot like the Corinthians where. They tolerated the sin inside the camp, and they were, they, were, they were separating from the lost world outside the church. We do a lot of that, folks. We do a lot of that. We get mad that sinners act like sinners. And I've said this before. I would just be happy if the saints would act like saints and stop acting like sinners. Sinners that's the stuff that's frustrating and when you read through scripture the lord doesn't you go ahead and read ahead you know if you want to read ahead for sunday we're in first corinthians chapter seven read through there when he's talking about marriage he doesn't he, marriage applies now the marriage principle god gave marriage god instituted it he he said this is what it is I thank God, since He created everything, He gets to say what the rules are, not laws today, not someone's preferences or opinion. God says what it is. So He's defined that. Now, that applies to everybody. But when He deals with these issues, He's dealing with those who are born again. These are the way you're to live. And He doesn't deal with out there because He's basically saying, look, the problem is you're bringing that from out there in here. Why don't you just go back to Scripture and do what I've told you to do and don't do what I told you not to do. Oh, it's just all about rules and what I can't do. No, 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 no. It's, it's Lisa Albert went on and on and on about I taught one time about the law of liberty and the law of liberty is freeing. When we get under the liberty, we're free not to sin. Those those boundaries that God establishes for us folks, those are helpful. They're helpful. I've, I've, I know I've shared this story before, but there was a study done where, you know, it used to be elementary schools and schools didn't have fences up and stuff. We didn't have, we didn't have it. And when we went out to play, we used to run off and hide in the woods. We did. We could, we, I mean, we did, we did. We got, we, I remember one time we went through the woods and come out, we're looking at houses and stuff. Oh, where's that over there? Um, now everything's fenced in. Well what they found is that other than the troubled kids like me, um, most kids, when there's no fence today, most kids, no fence, they're going to they're gonna congregate together, they're going to stay closer to the, to the building and things like that, because it, there's safety in that. Now the troubled kids, like me, we ran off. we like. Are they looking? You know Most kids didn't do that. But you put a fence up, and you know, here's what's amazing. the kids will. The kids will move all around in there because they know where the boundaries are. They know where the safety is. Uh, You know what your kids are doing when they act up? They want to know where the boundaries are. And sometimes what they're saying is, spank my honey. (laughs) please Spank it. That's what they're saying. Please. And you've got to accommodate. My kids are grown. I'm so thankful we're, we're through all that. They want to know where the boundaries are. We want to know where the boundaries are. And there's liberty in that. It's not a killjoy. God is telling us the way to live a great life, to to live the abundant life as a believer. Do right, do right. Acts 1, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it is not for us to know when, but it is for us to go until then. That's what we're to do. We're to go. We're not to know where to go. We don't have to know every secret. But we know what we're supposed to do, and we're supposed to go and do what we know we're supposed to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, that's a great place to stop right there. It's seven forty-three. Let's um, any questions? Comments? Anybody anybody got a different view? Come tell me. Yes, sir. I was just thinking about the heifers and uh, how that they have to be perfect before they can be sacrificed. Think of the simile. That's why it's Jesus. Well they, they